realised that my left arm felt slightly weak. I didn't pick up on any other symptoms, but I had a lot of thoughts. I was a little bit panicked that I could be having a stroke, but I just pushed that thought to the back of my head because, you know, I'm 29. This headache isn't bad. If my arm is slightly weak, but it could be anything else. I then went downstairs to my living room where my brother and my mum were, and I told them I'm just going to take some paracetamol for my head. I told them that my arm felt slightly weak, and they noticed that my face on my left-hand side had dropped slightly. My mum suggested ringing 111, and that sent me into a bit of a panic because I thought, if someone else thinks that I could be in trouble, then I probably am. And I looked, at, I looked in the mirror at myself. I saw that I was much more, like my face had dropped a lot more than I thought it had. I left my house and just walked onto the ambulance that was piled right outside. And I remember that walk, which is about 20 steps, being a lot longer than it was, seeming a lot longer than that. And I was walking as though I was drunk. So, uh, you know, I had to hold on to someone and I had to keep grabbing the wall. And then I got into the ambulance and they said to me, we think you're probably having a stroke, but we can't be certain yet. I couldn't have anyone in with me, which was really sad. I don't like being separated from my family at all and I was really scared. Mum left and then the ambulance drove me to Royal London and my memories from this point forward are very blurred at best. I remember the ambulance driving into what felt like an aeroplane hangar and I remember being put on a stretcher. I think I remember them fitting me with a catheter. Then the, my next memory is just being in hospital and my memories are really very, very vague after that. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. The basal ganglia are neurons deep in the brain that are key to movement, perception and judgment. A stroke that disrupts blood flow to that part of the brain could cause problems with muscle control or your sense of touch and some people even experience personality changes. In this episode, we'll hear from Jen Granger from London who suffered a stroke during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic at the age of 29. I live with my parents and my brother in Walthamstow and before I had a stroke I was working full-time for the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My job wasn't too stressful, I love my job. Um, But yeah, I mean, when I wasn't working I'd be either swimming or be out at the pub with my friends. The story of my stroke is probably made up of my own memory and what people have told me. I guess having a stroke in the middle of a global pandemic is even more complicated than it would be if it wasn't in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. I was working from home on the day of the stroke, which was the 14th of September 2020. So I was working from home on an ironing board, not the best setup. And I was on a Microsoft Teams call with my lovely colleague, Pauline, and I had a headache. It wasn't even a bad headache. It's interesting because I've listened to other episodes of this podcast and I remember one lady saying that she experienced the worst headache of her life. But this headache that I had was not even, I wasn't worried at all. It was a mild headache. I just kind of made the decision to take an aspirin. And I remember saying to my colleague, I'm just going to go. Let's end this call. I need to take some paracetamol. And then I went to the loo. And again, I had uh, I was having this headache. and I didn't notice anything else. But then I realised that my left arm felt slightly weak. I didn't pick up on any other symptoms. But I had a lot of thoughts. I was 
a little bit panicked that I could be having a stroke, but I just pushed that thought to the back of my head because, you know, I'm 29. This headache isn't bad. If my arm is slightly weak, but it could be anything else. I then went downstairs to my living room where my brother and my mum were, and I told them I'm just going to take some paracetamol for my head. I told them that my arm felt slightly weak, and they noticed that my face or my left-hand side had dropped slightly and that my speech was slightly slurred. So my mum suggested ringing 111, and that sent me into a bit of a panic because I thought if someone else thinks that I could be in trouble, then I probably am. And I looked at I looked in the mirror at myself. I saw that I was much more like my face had dropped a lot more than I thought it had. But I sat down and tried to take some deep breaths. And my mum spoke to the receiver, the the 111 guy, suggested that he dispatch an ambulance there and then and get more panic ensued. He then spoke to me and asked me to do a variety of strange exercises, like put my arms in front of me and hold them up. I could kind of do that but not for very long and it was painful and at this point I'm kind of convinced I'm having a stroke but I didn't want to talk about it I didn't want to worry my family the 111 people said you know if anything gets worse let us know immediately and then all of a sudden out of the blue I had to throw up normally when you vomit you know you have enough warning to make it to a safe space and you get the, the horrible you salivate basically but this was I could not have not thrown up and it was projectile all into a tea towel which was unpleasant and then the ambulance arrived after what seemed like about an hour and the paramedics I can't remember them doing any obs on me so I can't remember them taking my blood pressure or anything I just recall them telling me to get into the ambulance and I left my house and just walked onto the ambulance that was piled right outside and I remember that walk which is about 20 steps being a lot longer than it was seeming a lot longer than that and I was walking as though I was drunk so uh, you know I had to hold on to someone and had to keep grabbing the wall and then I got into the ambulance and they said to me we think you're probably having a stroke but we can't be certain yet and I threw up again in the ambulance I went to the Royal London Hospital which is not my local hospital but I believe it's got like a better stroke unit. So they rushed me there in an ambulance. The first time in my life, I, well, I've been in an ambulance once before for a, like a bust lip, but this was the first time ever. And I remember my mum coming to the door of the ambulance before we left and asking to come with us, but she couldn't come because of the coronavirus. So I couldn't have anyone in with me, which was really sad. I don't like being separated from my family at all. And I was really scared. Mum left and then the ambulance drove me to Royal London and my memories from this point forward are very blurred at best. I remember the ambulance driving into what felt like an aeroplane hangar and I remember being put on a stretcher. I think I remember them fitting me with a catheter. Then my next memory is just being in hospital and my memories are really very, very vague after that. Jen experienced some health difficulties during her stay in hospital. I threw up again and inhaled vomit and I had um, aspirational pneumonia. So then they transferred me to the ICU and I was really sick. And because I was almost going to die, they let me have visitors. So I could see my mum then, which was lovely. So we could only have one person every two days and she could only stay for an hour. And during that time, my mum tells me that I was mostly out of it. When I did speak, I spoke like I was tipsy. And I didn't really know what had happened to me. I then recall being transferred to another hospital stroke unit. And then I've got quite a few memories 
of physio and occupational therapy on the stroke ward at my local hospital called Whips Cross. And then I was in hospital, but two hospitals. It felt like forever, but I think it was just a month in hospital, which included some physio. And then when I was discharged, they continued doing physio at home through the community stroke team. I very rarely got headaches. And when I did, I would never be worried about them. They were never bad. If I did, I'd just take a couple of paracetamol and that would be fine. So nothing whatsoever in pretty good health. I mean, obviously they did some investigation into why I had the stroke because actually what had happened, I didn't find this out until just before I was discharged. I had two strokes. So I had a bleed on the part of my brain called the basal ganglia. And then I also had a clot. At one point, they had to do emergency life-saving surgery on my brain to relieve the pressure. So I had a, what's called a craniotomy. So they took the upper right quadrant of my skull away. I don't have any recollection of that happening. I just remember being told by my mum on the phone that I'd had this life-saving surgery. And that is going to be, in, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to get a, a plate put back into my skull. Jen also had treatment from the local community stroke team. That consisted of a physiotherapist, a rehab support worker, an occupational therapist, a speech and language therapist a clinical psychologist and nurse. So quite a big team of professionals. And initially when I was discharged, they came about four out of the five days of the week, which was great. So relatively intense physio, I guess, focused mainly initially on getting me walking. And that lasted, that therapy from NHS, from my hospital, lasted for about three months, I think, after I was discharged. October the 10th, I was discharged. I now pay for private specialist neurophysiotherapy. So I go twice a week to a clinic in West London and we have hourly sessions. So once on a Tuesday and once on a Thursday. It focuses much on my balance and my sensation. So although I can walk, it's not great walking. My balance isn't great. My weight isn't spread evenly. And my sensation on my left, because I'm still kind of partially paralysed on my left side. They use a variety of like textured brushes and brush my arm and my, my left arm, my left leg. And to me, that just feels really painful. And I think the idea is that I need to train my brain for those sensations not to feel painful anymore. Everyone tells me that I am recovering well. And people have said that they expect me to recover fully. And I, don't, I think that's quite a vague term. I don't really know what it means. Like I said, I can walk. My left arm, I've got good movement from my shoulder and my elbow, but my wrist, not so much. And my hand is, I can't use my left hand very much at all. So I can't unclench my fist. So my main goal is to get that working again. Because although I am right-handed, one of my main hobbies was drawing and making greetings cards and calligraphy and I can physically write but doing that is very stressful because I can't hold paper down or take lids off pens easily or quickly so I don't enjoy it anymore. Coming up, Jen talks about her goals for her stroke recovery. I always wanted to have my left hand up and running for my return because then I can type with both hands. But I know that I've got a lot of recovery to do before then. But I'm hoping that the operation where they put my plate in my skull and the continued physio will improve my neuroplasticity. So hopefully I'll be able to use my hand again. And has advice 
for the loved ones and carers of stroke survivors. Your hobbies, you don't find joy in things you found joy in the past, which is difficult. So I think that people need to do their research. For me, again, everyone's different. Ask questions. Don't just assume that because I'm walking and talking, I'm okay. Let's hear how the company Jen works for has supported her through her recovery. I'm signed off sick until September. So I've had two periods of six months sick now. My work have been incredibly supportive. So I have meetings with my line manager and HR rep regularly talking about a phased return, what that will look like. And they, they cannot stress enough that I'm under no pressure to return by a certain date or quickly. So they're, they're very supportive in that. They just want me to feel comfortable, I think, to return to work. I would like to return by October because I think that's when we will return to the office anyway. And it just seems like a reasonable goal to have at least a phased return. I always wanted to have my left hand up and running for my return because then I can type with both hands. But I know that I've got a lot of recovery to do before then. But I'm hoping that the operation where they put my plate in my skull and the continued physio will improve my neuroplasticity. So hopefully I'll be able to use my hand again. Jen was also contacted by the Stroke Association. They were very encouraging of trying to get me into attend support groups, virtual support groups with other stroke survivors. But when I was first discharged, I wasn't ready for that. I'm still not really ready for it yet. I haven't actually spoken to anyone else that's had a stroke. I don't know of anyone that's had a stroke that's a similar age. So the short answer is not really. I haven't really been in touch with that many stroke charities. I follow them on Instagram and do some research. I intend to try them when I'm ready. I would definitely like to revisit it in the future. But what I find the most difficult thing, well, the thing I struggle with the most, you know, in my recovery is the impact is had on my mental health. So I really struggle with low mood and anxiety. The stroke team that saw me as an outpatient had a clinical psychologist. And I think that's really lucky because I know that community stroke teams are common um, across the UK and in the NHS, but I don't regularly have a clinical psychologist in that team. And she was invaluable to my recovery. Really helpful. I've also had a course of CBT through IAPT, which I didn't find that helpful, but it was helpful to talk to anyone, but I don't think CBT was the right therapy for me. And I was on the waiting list for counselling through IAPT. And I've had my first session with a counsellor earlier in the week. So I'm hoping that will help. I struggle to envisage the future because I just don't know what I'll be able to do and what I won't be able to do. I've got a few weddings this summer to go to, which I'm looking forward to. Before the stroke, I would have been really looking forward to them. And I really am now, but my lifestyle's so different now. For instance, I don't drink because as a result of the stroke, I did drink afterwards and I had a seizure, which is a really common risk after stroke. So I had a seizure back in December and they said that it could have been a result of drinking. And I'm on a lot of medication. Everyone said to me that it was good timing because I wasn't missing anything and that no one else was doing anything anyway. So if I can't walk or can't go to events or occasions, it would be okay because they weren't happening. I value that response. I think that's helpful, but it's not that easy, is it? I mean, I was still really sad that I couldn't live my normal life. When I think about the fact that, you know, I'm not missing out and my friends aren't doing anything anyway, that it does help sometimes. In my experience, friends and family 
have in the main been like incredible there are some definitely people that don't understand that what i've been through or what a stroke is is brain damage it is so complex and varied for instance when i first came out of hospital i struggled watching television i just couldn't follow the story and i'd get frustrated with myself because i couldn't keep up with you know a television program that i would normally have no problem understanding and enjoying things like that change your hobbies you don't find joy in things you found joy in the past which is difficult so i think that people need to do their research for me again everyone's different ask questions don't just assume that because i'm walking and talking i'm okay Jen's stroke came at a difficult time during the 2020 coronavirus pandemic, but she was still able to access a stroke support team from her local community and she's made great strides in her recovery, which will soon allow her to return to work full time. You can subscribe to Stroke Stories and if you do, please rate and comment on the episodes that you hear. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.